We're starting a new series uh, this morning with a bit of an ominous title. It's called Enemies of the Heart. Enemies of the Heart. And uh, we need to give credit where credit is due. This is based on a book by an American preacher by the name of Andy Stanley. A very, very good book. I don't agree with every little last thing that he says, uh, but it's amazing content in there. So the idea is uh, there are four, he calls them emotions, I call them toxins, uh, that can control a person's life and that can wreck a person's life from the inside out. And we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks. But I wanted to start things out by talking to you about a controversy that you may have heard about in Canadian news. I'm sure you know this next person on the screen, uh, our Prime Minister. And I'm telling you, there is a controversy that has cooked in, in the nation of Canada that is being heard about all over the place, all around the world. I have not seen this type of emotion uh, about a, a controversy like this for a long, long time, and it is of biblical proportion uh, what is going on right now in this nation, um, and it has to do with the program called the Canada Summer Jobs Program. Have you heard of this? Have you heard of all this, uh, the popular word kerfuffle? Have you, have you heard of this, what's going on? So what the Canada Summer Jobs Program is, and you'll see how this relates to where we're going today, it's an amazing program. And the idea is that the federal government uh, will take tax dollars and use that, use that money to provide employment for students, for Canadian students uh, from the ages of 15 to 30 over the summer in small businesses, in charities, in churches, uh, all over the nation. I, I know of at least one person in this room who's benefited from it. I'm very, very familiar with the program and how it works. And it's a terrific program because basically, you know, a, a church, for example, can employ a student uh, over the summer and it doesn't have to pay them. The government will pay them uh, to do all kinds of different activities and there's an application process and an eligibility thing and it's, and it's pretty strict criteria just to be able to get the money. Well, uh, for this year in 2018, there's been a slight change and the people who want the money the employers who want the money, they have to check a very specific box, an attestation. So I've reproduced it. I, I don't want to bore you with politics today. Um, how many of you watched the State of the Union in the U.S.? Okay, I watched it too, all right? This is not a State of the Union speech, all right? I'm, you don't have to stand and clap. Uh, this is not politics, really, but I, 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 want, I, I want you to see this, and I'm going to try not to bore you. You'll see where I'm going. So to be eligible, and this is from, this is from the website itself, uh, the core mandate of the organization, and this is the new thing that's caused an absolute, I mean, uh, just a, a fury of emotion. Uh, the core mandate of the organization must respect individual human rights in Canada, that sounds okay, including the values underlying the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, that sounds okay, as well as other rights. These include, and this is where it gets really sticky, these include reproductive rights on the right to be free 
and the right to be free from discrimination on the basis of sex, religion, race, national or ethnic origin, color, mental or physical disability, sexual orientation, or gender identity uh, or expression. And they even put in a little disclaimer at the bottom. Note, an organization that is affiliated with a religion does not itself constitute ineligibility for this program. Oh my word, this has elicited a reaction from churches, mosques, synagogues, temples, and various faith-based groups. And what they're saying is, uh, in order to check this box, we are, we are forced to be put in a position of compromise where we are, are saying that we believe in something that we don't believe in. So, you know, most churches, mosques, synagogues, and various kinds of faith-based groups uh, oppose abortion, uh, oppose the LGBTQ2 uh, lifestyle, and are opposed to it and say that it's, that it's sin and that it's wrong, and most of them oppose it. And so they say, well, if we check this box, we're going against our beliefs and our values, and that's not fair. Now, all of a sudden, we have to embrace the, 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 the government and presumably Prime Minister Trudeau's ideologies. That's not fair, and there's a huge backlash. Uh, many, many pastors have been interviewed. I have friends who have been interviewed on television and on radio. Many people in our own movement have spoken up and have said, don't fill it out on the internet, fill it out in paper, don't check the box, write this little addendum section, we'll give you the words, protest, protest, protest. A number of people have rallied together to try and force an emergency injunction to have this clause removed, the, the, the court shot it down and said, no, it will stand. Uh, the most recent news about this, the expiry date to apply for the funding was supposed to be February the 2nd, uh, but the minister in charge of this portfolio, if you go to the next slide, her name is uh, 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 Patty Hashdu, uh, she has extended it by one week, and that's all that's happened. But what they're saying is, if you all fill this out in paper and you write your little addendum section, you will be rejected. So they have stuck to their guns on this, and, and it's fascinating what is being said um, and, and what the reaction is and how the government uh, is posturing. It's fascinating. It's of biblical proportion. This is what she says. She says, this is about the activities of the organization and the job description of the summer job. This is not about beliefs. This is not about values. That is a statement of biblical proportion that really has to deal with our subject matter today. This is about the activities of the organization. This is not about beliefs and values. And of course, the churches cry foul, and they say, no, we cannot separate our beliefs and our values from our activities. We cannot. Watch what Prime Minister Trudeau had to say about this. Don't you love politicians? I mean, if you're going to do anything in life, 
and you want to be a politician, just make sure God called you to do it, okay? That and pastoring. Just be very, very sure that it's God who told you to do it. You know, I pray for our prime minister. We're told to pray for those in authority, regardless of, you know, whether we agree or disagree with their positions, we're to pray for them. But, but I want you to, to zero in on what he's saying there and what the minister is saying. Uh, to, to, you know, the, the churches are irate unanimously irate and they're saying you cannot separate our beliefs from our behavior and the government is saying oh yes we can because that's what you do now here's the problem when we get so upset many of our churches get so so upset at this and it goes beyond churches you got mosques synagogues temples all kinds of faith-based groups get so upset uh, the reality is in many many cases what this is doing is it's exposing, and I'm going to sound really, you're, you're going to be really surprised by this. It's exposing, in some cases, a little bit of our own hypocrisy. Because some of these groups that refuse to check this box and say, if we check this box, we're saying that we're, we, we believe in abortion and all these other things, we can't check this box. But if you look at how the organization runs, if you look at their yearly activity, if you look at things like their mission statements and all this other thing, you will find no evidence whatsoever in the way that they behave and the way that they run that they oppose any of those things. You will find no evidence that they oppose abortion. You'll find no evidence that they oppose LGBTQ2 at all. And yet they are irate and refuse to check this box. Because sometimes, folks, sometimes we don't do what we say we believe. And in some ways, this is exposing a little bit of our hypocrisy. On the other hand, to, to separate belief and practice and to say, you can believe what you want to believe as long as you don't show it, <laughs> you'll get the money is basically what's being said here. So you can have all of your beliefs and all the values that you want to have, as long as, and the Prime Minister said this as well, as long as you do not act on them. Now listen very carefully to what's being said here. What's being said is it is about your behavior, not your beliefs. You're entitled to whatever beliefs you want to have, but we are concerned with your behavior. That is a very clear message from this whole controversy. If you think about that message and you think about our subject matter for the next few weeks, enemies of the heart, what is being said here? And this is the message uh, that the world gives to us from infancy. We're taught that it's all about your behavior uh, or your activities, to use the words of the government in this particular illustration, and not your beliefs or your heart. It's all about your behavior, not your beliefs. So you can believe what you want to believe as long as it doesn't come out in your action. And if you stop and you think about that, what are we taught from, from infancy? You behave a certain way, and there will be certain consequences. This is what we teach our children. And it's not bad. <laughs> I mean, we, that's what we have to do, right? We say, well, no, you don't take your finger and put it in the electrical socket, right? Because if you do that, what will happen? Bad things will happen to you if you behave in that type of manner, you know? And it starts with really, really simple things, but the older we get, 
the more we realize, aha, my behavior is very, very critical to me operating and functioning on planet Earth. Because everybody is concerned about it. So if I, if I learn to play the game of life, if I learn to behave in a proper way or in a culturally acceptable way, then in general, good things will happen. But if I behave in a different way that, you know, is destructive or whatever, then probably bad things will happen. And the older and the older you get, the worse the, the consequences are. You know, I could lose my marriage, I could lose my family, I could use, lose my job, I could lose my kids, I could lose my health, I could go to jail, right? So don't behave that way, even though you really want to. If you don't behave that way, you'll, you'll be okay. Never turn on your cell phone while you're preaching. Bad behavior. So it, it's all about your behavior. And this is what we're taught from infancy into adulthood and on and on and on. And what happens is we're constantly learning, modify and adjust your behavior, your beliefs, your values, your heart. That's a secondary thing. It's about your activities, your behavior, not your beliefs or your heart. The Bible has the total reverse position. So God says... It's about your heart, and your behavior is a reflection of what's going on inside of your heart. So the Bible reverses the view there and tells us uh, you need to be thinking, and you need to be looking, and you need to be watching your heart is the term that's used. So great, great illustration of this a story uh, that you'll find in the Gospels in Mark, and you'll find it in Matthew. It is a, it is a confrontation, a uh, heated confrontation between Jesus and a religious group. It's almost like the town hall, you know, that, that Trudeau is doing. I mean, you got to give him credit. He goes to all these provinces and has these town halls, and, you know, you've got hecklers and all these people yelling at you, and, well, he, he's, he's doing what he has to do. Well, here's the ultimate town hall that's happening, and it's dealing with this very same subject, uh, just with a different wrapping paper, and it's from Mark chapter 7 and Matthew chapter 15, and this is a confrontation that Jesus is having with the ultra-religious people of the day, the Pharisees, the people who, were, who knew the law, who were, who were holy, who were righteous, who could quote for you massive uh, amounts of the scripture, and they were the elite religious people of the day, the orthodox of the day, if you will. And there's this, this confrontation, uh, powerful confrontation that happens here. So I'll, I'll, I'll read it for you quickly. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law, this was also an ultra-religious group who had come from the city of Jerusalem. They gather around Jesus and they see that some of his disciples are eating food with hands that were unclean, hands that were unclean. And Mark gives us some commentary here, and he says they're, they're unwashed, and he tells us, the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders, this tradition. 
And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, Mark tells us, such as the washing of cups and pitchers and, and kettles, etc. So he kind of gives this to us as a background so we understand there is a tradition that the elders of the law have set up and they said, you've got to ceremonially, ceremonially wash when you come from the marketplace before you eat. And they've got Jesus caught because his followers do not do this. And they've got him and they're going to pin him in a corner and they're going to catch him on this religious uh, debate. And so the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they come and they ask Jesus, they're hecklers, if you will, you know, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? We've got you. We've got you pegged in a corner. You're supposed to be this rabbi. You're supposed to be this teacher. And you and your followers do not follow the elders of the law and their tradition. We've got you. And the reply from Jesus, he turns the tables and he basically says, no, I've got you. And what he says is, you know what? Isaiah, the prophet, he was right when he spoke about you. And he uses this term, hypocrites, Jesus says. Uh, the, the word in that day, it meant an actor. You had these people in the Greco-Roman Empire, and they put these masks on their heads, and they would act out staged plays in the street. And he says, you're like those people. You're hypocrites. And he wrote about you, and he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God. He tells this ultra-religious group, and you're holding on to the traditions of men. You are so concerned about the behavior, you know nothing of the heart. This is what he's saying. He says, you have a fine way. And he goes, and he's, he's going to really go for the jugular with these people. He says, you have a fine way uh, uh, of setting aside the commands of God to observe your own traditions so he's accusing them, you put, the, you put God aside for your silly tradition is what he's saying, because here's how. Moses says, and this is in the Decalogue, this is in the Ten Commandments. So he's going to go after these ultra-religious people and say, you violate the Ten Commandments, and here's how you do it. Moses said, honor your father and your mother. This is one of the Ten Commandments. And anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Wow. But you say, you ultra-religious people, Here's an example of your hypocrisy. You say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me is korban. It meant a gift devoted to God, Mark tells us. Then he says, you know what you're doing? You no longer let him do anything for his father and his mother because it's devoted to God. It's korban. Oh, so a korban, the idea was it's devoted to God, it goes to the temple, and it's, it's for him, it's for his purposes, it's for worship of him. And so what he's saying is, you're telling people, and you, you yourselves, whenever you're to do something for your parents, to honor them, you say, no, 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 no. it's for God, it's korban. And he says, you're, you're, you're hypocritical, you're making this into something that it's not supposed to be. You no longer honor your father or your mother, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition. 
that you have handed down and you do many things like that. Wow, I mean, he has turned the tables on the ultra-religious, the ultra-orthodox, and he's saying, you folk don't even obey the Ten Commandments. You're such hypocrites, is what he's saying to them. I mean, it's no wonder they were so angry with Jesus. I mean, he is in their face, and he is not intimidated by their heckling or their argument at all. And then Jesus calls a crowd to him, and he says, listen to me. And here's where, it, it, here's where you see this view of the Bible about the heart. Listen to me, everyone, you understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. And after he, after he had left the crowd, he enters the house. His disciples, they come and they ask him and they say, well, what does this mean? And he says, are you so dull? I mean, he's very direct. He says, don't you get it? You know, uh, it, this is kind of an easy one. It's almost like what he's saying. He said, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean for it doesn't go into his heart but it goes into his stomach and then it goes out of his body. And Mark tells us parenthetically there, in doing this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Whoa, stunning. And he went on and he says, what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean for from within, for from within, out of man's hearts come. And he goes through a litany of behavior here, even thoughts. He says, out of man's hearts come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, uh, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. I mean, it is a list. Out, this comes out of man's hearts. It's got nothing to do with this silly rule of being ceremonially clean before you eat that these elders have tacked on. It is a tradition of men. What makes a person unclean is not that. It's what's on the inside that is eventually going to pop out. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. People are taught in colleges and universities and, and, and through academia, man is basically good. Uh, he needs to modify his behavior. The Bible teaches man is basically bad. He needs his heart to be changed. It's the total opposite view that's being presented by the scripture here. Out of the heart comes all of these things. And so we can try and modify our behavior. Religion will do that. Religion will tell you, follow the rules. Do all of this, this stuff. You know, make sure you dot this I and cross this T. Be a good person and you will please your God that way. Uh, this is not what Jesus is saying at all. He's saying the problem is from within. It came from within you. Uh, like the old B movie, you know, from the 1950s. It came from within. You know, this is what Jesus and what the Bible is saying. And the question that we need to ponder if he's right is how is your heart doing? Not how is your behavior? Because to a large degree, you can control that, right? I mean, you can, you can play the game. Uh, but how's your, how's your heart doing? 
So start with your, with your physical heart, just as an illustration. That's a, you know, a little, little heart that's on the screen. The, the physical heart is, a, is an, amazing, you know, an amazing, miraculous design. Here you have this pump in your body that's working all day, all night, all the time. You don't have to remind it to, to work, right? So you don't get up in the morning and say, hey, come on, we have to go to work, right? You don't, you don't, you don't, uh, you don't go and, like uh, the other illustration, stick your little finger in a socket to make your heart start beating, right? You don't have to remind it of that at all. It just does its job. It's made to do that. It's designed to do that. Uh, but your physical heart, when there's problems with your physical heart, sometimes you don't even know it. Sometimes it's like a time bomb that's waiting to just explode and rapidly change or even end a person's life. And sometimes they won't even know it unless they know where to look. So heart disease, you know, when the, when the arteries and everything starts getting blocked up in there with cholesterol and, you know, people, there's all kinds of things that contribute to heart disease. Uh, sometimes the symptoms are, well, you know, the person gets headaches, the person has insomnia, the person has back pain. Well, we'll take a few pills here and there and we'll numb the edge of some of these things. But if someone doesn't say, yeah, but let's see what's going on in the heart. Let's look on the inside and see if there's something wrong with this person deep within. If there's potentially heart disease. A uh, famous story of um, a basketball player, one of the greatest basketball players who ever lived. His name was Pete Maravich. Any of you ever you heard that name before? Some of you old timers? Okay, I'm, I'm not even that old and I know who Pete Maravich is. Anyway, he was an amazing basketball player and uh, you know one of the best ever. And he dropped dead at a very, very young age uh, while playing a pickup game of basketball after he had retired. And they discovered, even though he looked on the outside like he was in the prime of health, they discovered that he had a major heart defect and was missing, a, uh, I believe, a very significant artery. And it caused his death prematurely. But nobody knew because he looked great on the outside. I mean, the man was a, was a Hall of Fame basketball player. Uh, and sometimes what the outside looks like when it comes to the heart can be a very different thing on the inside, and you may not know till it's too late. In, in my, own, my own personal experience, my, in my family, on both sides, my father's side and my mother's side, heart disease all over the place. So people have died of massive heart attacks. People have had heart disease. I mean, it's all over the place on both sides. Now, I happen to know this. Um, so, you know, I may, look, I may look great on the outside. How many of you think I don't look too bad? Right? I put on a little bit of weight since, since we got married. We're going to be 25 years in December. When I got married, when we got married, I was 125 pounds, soaking wet with corduroy pants. 125 pounds. I think I'm about 160. I never even weigh myself. Okay, uh, But one thing that I've learned is that I cannot bank on that. Because there's just this genetic predisposition in my family tree that this pump is prone to problems. And I would prefer not to leave this world because of it. That would be my preference, all right? Because it can be quite painful when you have an attack of the heart. Uh, some of you may have experienced this, and you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so I have to take certain steps to take care of the pump. I love to eat 
and I love to eat sugar. My wife is right there, and she will tell you that I have a sweet, sweet tooth. And I have to be very, very careful to control the sweet tooth and to control what I eat. I can eat and eat and eat and eat until there's no tomorrow. I mean, it's like a bottomless pit. Um, and so I have to be very, very careful uh, what I eat and how much of it I eat. And I'm thankful that, that, that Janet, you know, doesn't bring junk food into the house. I often joke that if I lived south of the border, I'd probably be 300 pounds. I mean, you ever see the food in one of those super Walmarts? Any of you ever been there down south? It is no wonder that they have an obesity problem in the United States. Look at the food. It's just falling off the shelves. Uh, stuff that can give you heart disease. So I have to watch what I eat, but I also have to get the pump pumping. And so I have to exercise. And so I have to run. I have to get the pump pumping. I have to lift. I have to get strong. I have to do that uh, as sort of preventative maintenance, even though things may look okay on the outside, could be real, real problems on the inside. So a little bit of preventative maintenance. I was at the, at the gym yesterday and uh, was talking to one of the guys there, the owners, and he's not a, not a believer at all, total non-believer. And we were talking about the football game tomorrow. Any of you know there's a game tomorrow? Kind of an important football game. The Super Bowl's on tomorrow. And you know what he said? He knows I'm a pastor. And he said, he said I pray to God that the Eagles will win. I pray to God they will win. You know, I pray to Jesus that they will, he said to me. And I said, well, I don't think God takes sides in these, these types of things. And he said, but I pray to God that, that, they, that they will win. You know, I get to interact with him uh, and, and talk with him about sports and all that. But that's because I have to take care of the pump. How's your heart? Well, God speaks of a spiritual heart. When, when we see the term heart in the scripture, it's not talking about our physical heart most of the time. It's talking about our spiritual heart. This is what Jesus is referring to in the story. And in his, in, in his teaching, if, if he's right and all these things come from inside of us, then while we're so busy looking at our behavior, perhaps we should be looking on the inside. So the soul, the spirit, the intellect, the emotions, the will, all these things, the invisible, immaterial part of you and me, this is, this is the heart. And this is the heart of the matter. This is what Jesus is, is, is bringing to our attention. Uh, the writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 4, verse 23, he'd say, uh, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard your heart. Uh, he doesn't say, watch your behavior. He goes deeper, and he says, you guard your heart for everything, that, the way that you live is because of what's going on in there. So you need to guard uh, your heart. Now, you can, you can figure out if you have physical heart disease, if you, you, know, you have certain symptoms or whatever, uh, then you go to the doctor, and the doctor says, well, let's, let's examine the thing on the inside here and see what's really going on. Uh, but how would you diagnose a sick spiritual heart? If your heart has spiritual heart disease, how would you diagnose it? How would you even know? Because again, we're taught from infancy, watch your behavior, watch your behavior, watch your behavior. When's the last time you as a parent looked in your child's face and said, watch your heart, <laughs> guard your heart? What do we do that? We talk about their behavior. We don't talk about their heart. 
But how would you know if the heart went bad? How would you know if it got sick? How would you know if it was diseased? And here's, here's the, the, the really hard part of this. Usually, we're able to conceal what's going on on the inside uh, when it's super important and when there's a lot on the line. So, you know, people in the room who are in the workforce and, you know, you, your colleague gets the promotion and you know your colleague is a lazy, good-for-nothing cheater, steals from the company, steals time, and that employee got the promote gossiper, talks badly about the boss, that employee got the promotion, and you, you're the Christian, and you work hard, and you, you keep your time, and you don't steal from the company, and you talk well about the boss and all that, and you didn't get nothing, and, and that person got the promotion. And you, you, oh, that's good. I'm really, really happy for you, right? And, but on the inside, you feel like, well, I wish, I wish I could strangle him, you know, or her. If that's going on, all right, then there's, there's, there's a reason for that. There's a, there's a toxin in there, and you're burying it, but you feel it. And when you're feeling those things and thinking those things, eventually those things are going to pop. They're going to come out. And usually, it's the people who you love the most, who you care about the most, who are the ones that know that your heart is sick. Usually, it's our wives, it's our husbands, it's our kids, it's our close friends. And if you ever find yourself saying, where did that come from? Why did I say that? Why did I think that? Why did I really want that person to be hit by a bus when they got the promotion and I didn't? Why would, I, why would my friend, you know, if you're, if you're a woman in this room and, uh, you know, she, she lost 20 pounds and she looks great in that new pair of jeans. But you know what? I, that really makes me angry. I'm really jealous. <laughs> oh, you look great. I'm so happy for you. And you think, well, you know, why can't she gain weight? I'd like to lose weight. How come her kids are doing better in school than mine? How come their car is nicer? How come? And all these kinds of things. And eventually you pop. Why did I say that? Why did I do that? Why did I behave that way? And if you're a Christian, then you say, but I'm supposed to be a Christian. And I behave that way. And I said that to my kid. And I said that to my wife. And I said that to my husband. How can I behave that way if I'm a, to make things worse? I'm a Christian. How can I behave that way? Can I tell you, I'm a pastor. So I'm a professional Christian. <laughs> right? So I'm supposed to be an example, a professional Christian. Boy, who would have heard? That's nonsense. Uh, but in any case, I, folks, I'm just like you. Like, there's many, many times, if I could count the uh, amount of times, if I had a dime for every time that I said to myself, why did I think that, feel that, say that, do that? I would be, I would be incredibly wealthy right now, <laughs> okay? So it all, I think it applies to all of us. Uh, if we're human, uh, there are certain things that can go on in the heart. How is your heart doing? So if I said this, I did this, I don't know where that came from. Jesus said it came from within you. And you need to examine and guard your heart. So I'm going to give you four toxins that I want you to think about this week. All right? And I love the way that, that, that these are phrased. Uh, so four of them, just four. We'll go over them over the next, the next few weeks. Here's the first one, guilt. Guilt. 
So this person operates, says, speaks, does things out of guilt. And every one of these four toxins has a, like a relationship component to it. It's a debt-debtor relationship. All right? So, so the first one, guilt. I owe you. I owe you. So what I do, what I think, what I say, what I feel is based on this toxin of guilt. I owe you. The next one, and this is a really, really common one, is no, it's not that I owe you, it's that you owe me. And that is anger. You owe me. And you behave, you, your emotions, your, your thoughts, your behavior, it's, it's, got a, it's got a narrative behind it. And that narrative is you, you owe me. And I will show that. And that will come on display from time to time. You owe me. And number three is greed. Greed. And in greed, it's I owe me. Right? I owe me. So, so guilt, I owe you. Anger, you owe me. Greed, uh, I owe me. Right? And then the final one, and this one will, will surprise you a little bit, is jealousy. Jealousy. And that's when God owes me. God owes me. So I want you to think about those things over the next week or, or next few days until we meet again next Saturday. We're going to cover guilt and we're going to have communion together. If the band, could you come and do that song, Hallelujah for the Cross, one time uh, before we leave today? And I want to pray with you. Uh, married couples, uh, you know, people in the room, married or not, meditate on those four toxins. Uh, no doubt, uh, at least one of them you will find in your life. If you're me, you've got all four, uh, and you deal with all four, okay? Uh, so these are, these are common, and these things, when they, when they rear their ugly head, they can be destructive forces uh, in our relationships. They can destroy our families. They can destroy your very soul. Uh, greed, anger, uh, jealousy, uh, all of these things. So I want you to think about this, this passage. If you go to the last slide there, guard your heart, the, the writer of Proverbs said there, and examine yourself. How is your heart How is your heart doing? Let me pray with you. Go ahead, you can start playing. Let me pray with you. Father, we thank you.